Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, A Word Fitly Spoken. It shall be focused on the study of Proverbs chapter 25. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word, teaching us that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Father, help us to be slow to speak be quick to listen but slow to speak and respond but help us father to judge what we speak by your word and to father be able to say like david thy word and i hid in my heart that i may not sin against thee so we thank thee father for thy everlasting love and goodness may your word father continue to mold us Wash us from our sins, so we know we are washed by the waters of the word. Be glorified forever, Father, for there is no name like thine. May, Father, all those that today are heavy-hearted or are in an incredible need, maybe it's financial, maybe it's health, maybe it's spiritual, Father, you, you, you know, as the singer said, our Jesus knows when we are burdened, he knows just how much our hearts can bear. He lifts us up when we are sinking and it gives us joy beyond compare. We thank Thee, Father, to know that You know exactly just what we need. For Your Scriptures tell us, You know what we have need of before we even ask. So, Father, help us to have faith to ask Thee. For You said we have not because we ask not, and we ask not because we believe not. So we thank Thee, Father, that this Word will give us the faith to be able, Father, to please Thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Proverbs chapter 25. Chapter 25. These are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. The heaven for height and the earth for depth, and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is that it be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul, and a sword and a sharp arrow. 
Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that singeth songs to an heavy heart. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman and in a wide house. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. It is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Jesus on the Authority of the Word. This was preached in 1954 on February the 17th. We'll begin at paragraph 14 up to paragraph 63. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Jesus on the authority of the word. I just take just a few moments, if you will give me your attention. And I wish to talk just a little while where crowds are not too big yet. And when we go to filling up, then you can tell someone else. Always be reverent during time of the service, especially when the healing service is going on. Be open-hearted, open-minded. Just, just say, now, Lord, I'm here to learn. You come teach me, see, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. If you come with a kind of sarcastic criticism, whatever you expect to see, that's just what you'll see. If you come expecting to be just disappointed, that's the way you'll get what you expect, always. If you come to receive, you will be expecting to receive, and you shall receive just what you expected to receive. God always does that. He's, he's, he's sworn to his word. And now, maybe some things might be said to be just a little different from your religious teachings. You might be Catholic, or you might be something other phase of religion, or some Protestant that doesn't believe in divine healing. Whatever it is, you look at it just the way it is. Just look at it from the standpoint of God's Word. Now, we're going to speak just a few moments on the authority of God's Word. Now, every Word of God is a written, sworn authority. It's the, it's the absolute right of the believer to accept this as the infallible truth, because it is God's Word. Amen. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away, saith the Lord. It must be fulfilled in its season. Well, now, many times that Christians, and sometimes even ministering brethren, many times uh, get a little confused on this, and who am I to say who is wrong, or I'm with the rest of you, and should be sitting listening to the clergy. Instead of standing in front of them. But my brethren, the Word of God, sometimes people get to say, well, now the Word said this. Let's take it just exactly the way it says. That's, well, that, that is right. But that Word has to fall in a certain ground or it won't produce. 
I, I heard people get saved. They say, I'm a Christian now. The Lord said, whatever I ask in his name, I'll get it. Amen. I'll ask for this. Now, that's not right ground, maybe yet. See? You can't take cactus and grow it in clay. You put cactus in real rich soil, it'll die. Cactus grows in sand. And you take uh, a pine tree and put it in that sand in Arizona where the cactus grows, it'll die because it's not enough moisture. Yet both of them is in soil. It must be the right word at the right place, and it will take place. I pray for thousands of people, just as a routine of praying for people. But yet, I don't know what's going to happen until he shows me what's going to happen. Then I have, thus saith the Lord. Then the Lord has brought his word in confirmation. Then I know just exactly what he's going to do, when he tells me what he's going to do. Then it makes a perfect faith. If you notice Jesus, he only used those things as God permitted him. Remember last night's lesson? He said the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father doeth, he showeth the Son. And the Father worketh, and I worketh hitherto. In other words, what the Word of God made manifest in Christ was what God showed him to do. Any prophet... Any spiritual man of any age, any time, was always exactly the same thing. So you can't jump to conclusions and say, the, the Word says this, I'll accept it and do this. You can't do that. It hasn't fallen right yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes and materializes that and shows you what to do, then you can do it. Because it's not you done. This is the written Word of God, the plan of salvation. But we have to be careful how we handle it. For instance, many times, there are people come in the line, and I pray for them. I never know what's going to happen. I just pray for them. And there is a power in prayer. Prayer will even change the Word of God. That was a striker, wasn't it? But it's the truth. The Word of the Lord, would you not believe the prophets? The word of the Lord came to Isaiah, and he went and told Hezekiah that he wasn't coming off his bed, he was going to die. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly and said, Lord, I beseech thee, I walk before thee with a perfect heart, and desired fifteen years more life. And the prophet wasn't gone until the word of the Lord came again to the prophet and said, Go tell him I heard his prayer, and he's coming off the bed in three days. Prayer changes things. Many times I see where there's people that it's sick and going to die. Turns dark around them when they're standing. I know it's the pronouncing of death. I don't see why, but that's all. I never tell him that. I just pray for him and pass on to the Lord bless you. Or maybe the Lord Jesus heal you. Durban, South Africa, coming across the platform was a lady as healthy looking as the healthiest woman in the building. The hundred thousand people had gathered in there. And the woman come normally and healthy. She stood up there and I said Looked at her, I said, I see you are a Christian. She said, I am. And it, uh, then I noticed again, I seen her going to church, and a group of people she is with, I said, this is the church you belong to, and she said, it is. I looked back, and I seen her turn real dark around her, and I started to say, well, the only thing she had was a cyst on the ovary. She'd been to the doctor. I said, your husband's wearing a gray suit, and he has a black mustache. He waited in the hall while you was examined. A few days ago by a doctor that was a gray-headed man wearing glasses. He said, that's right. And I said, 
He said you had a cyst on the ovary. He said, that's right. He said it should be taken off. That's right. He wanted to burn it with rage. He said, that's right. Kept turning dark around her. I started to say, now the Lord bless you and heal you, my sister. I passed her off the platform. Then I seen a funeral procession going packing her. I knew I might as well tell her. It was over then. I said, lady, you're a strong-looking woman. Very little wrong with you, but prepare for death, for you're not going to live but a short time. She said, sir? I said, that is right, sister. Just make ready for God. Be prepared. She walked off the platform, sat down, and looked at her husband. Said, what do you know about that? He fell dead right there. They packed her out. Because there's nothing to be done. I've seen the funeral procession going on, and what God says is truth. Now, this is the truth of God. That's the truth. Anything contrary to that is not truth. But that is to the nation, to the people, the plan of salvation. But to the individual, then sometimes, after God sending his word this way and ministers to preach it, he sets to the church, apostles, prophets, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. That's all for the edifying or the keeping clean of the church. Bringing the church together, separating out. Just recently, it's a Methodist church in New Albany. The person may be sitting here now. Before going to Africa, I just come from California on one of my trips, just that you might see. I was coming into the building that night in California, into the place where we were having service, several thousand. And there was about 20 or 30 wheelchairs setting up like this, and cots and stretchers and so forth, and the bleachers and all. And my brother, as you understand in these meetings, that I have to keep myself away from people. Because with that anointing, as soon as you speak to a person, right then you contact their spirit. And when you do that, you understand. So I kept in a room, two men stayed at the door all the time. And they come and got me that night. I went out into the building and I just remember walking in. I was just standing by the side of the steps. The manager, one of them, Mr. Baxter, they begin to sing Only Believe, and I come out before the audience. And I was looking out this way, and I've been several nights, and I'm getting real weak. The meetings become more powerful all the time. Of course, you become more into the Spirit. And I was looking like that, and I seen a little boy playing on a haystack right out in front of me. And he fell off the haystack and struck a great crude-looking frame across his, his back struck it. I seen a man pick him up. I just started talking. He's just right out in front of me like you see every night going on. And it told just what was taking place. Seen a doctor work on him. Seen what kind of a doctor. I said, I see him bore holes in the floor and set his bed. He can't even stand for people to walk on the floor. And now they got him in a bed. They whirl him around or take him out in his bed. But he becomes a great man. I said, now he becomes even a greater man. He's sitting around the benches or something. They got a, a chair there, got him in yet, and, and people are applauding his speeches. And the vision left me. And I looked, and coming in, they just got off of an airplane, and here come a wheelchair that just got inside the building, and it began to come, moving on down to get it with the reddest wheelchairs. I said, that's the old gentleman now. He's about twice the distance of this building. I said, that's the old man now, and he was weeping, so I went ahead and told my brother to call the prayer line. And so we began to get them lined up, and so the next thing taking place, while well, 
they had an extension mic here. Mr. Baxter said, Brother Branham said, said that old man that you were speaking to is a congressman of the United States, is William D. Upshaw. I said, I don't know who he was. He said he wants to speak to you through this mic. And he said, my son, how did you know that I fell and hurt myself when I was a boy? So I can't tell you, sir, I never heard of you in my life. I'm sorry. And uh, he said, well, I was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. said, Dr. Davis, the one that ordained you in the Baptist Church, was the one who sent me here to see you. I said, I'm acquainted with Dr. Davis. He said, I've been prayed for. said, I've been uh, ambling in this wheelchair for 66 years. And he said, I'm 86 years old now. And I said, I've trusted God since I was 17 years old when I was hurt to heal me. He said, do you think I'll ever be healed? I said, I could not tell you, sir. I said, I can only say what I see. He said, God bless you, my boy. And I said, thank you, kind sir. And I turned this away. And when I did, my brother, being the chief usher in the meeting, was getting the people lined up down there. And I looked across this way, and I seen a young doctor with one of these medic coats on with a collar this way. He had a thing in front of his head here, lights that reflect the light. And I forget the name of the instrument. And he had his arms folded, and he wore tortoise shell glasses, and he was shaking his head. As the vision materialized more, I looked below him. There's a little colored girl, perhaps about six, seven years old, and he had taken her tonsils out. It wasn't successful and paralyzed her. And when I told the vision which was before me, way down the distance, all several times of this building, I heard a typical Aunt Jemima let out a great big scream, and she started up there, a great big heavy set woman, and she was just knocking ushers right and left, with, uh, pulling a stretcher behind her. She said, Lord, have mercy, that was my baby. And so they had to line up a bunch of people, because you are not supposed to come to the platform without a prayer card, because that's the legitimate way we have of doing it. It's the only way we can. So the ushers had to turn her from the line, and they had to make a way there. She was screaming and going on. She said, Parson, that was my baby. said, Will she ever be well? I said, I don't know, Andy. The only thing I can say is what I see. see? I said, well, that's, I said, that's exactly the way the doctor looked. And that was about two years ago. I said, that's the same little girl. They had the sheet pulled down from her. I said, that's the same little girl. I said, well, is she healed? I said, Andy, I couldn't tell you. The only thing I know is just what I look at and see. I said, it's only by vision. And she said, I have prayed, and I have prayed, and I have prayed for it. And I said, well, I wouldn't know anything. I said, Howard, are you about ready for the first person to come? I said, yes. The lady started walking up. I turned to look again out over the audience to tell them to be reverent. I seen it like it's like a dark street moving. And it just kept coming in like that. And when it was, it was a street or something or a road. And this little colored girl was going walking down the road with a doll on her arm, rocking it back and forth like this. That was it. Now, that's the word of the Lord made manifest. See? Now, no matter what would take place, all the forces of hell can move against that. The woman don't even have to have faith. She don't have to have anything because God has said so. That's God's word materialized. Then I had thus saith the Lord. I said, Auntie, as reverend as you've been, God has rewarded you, and your baby is healed. She started screaming and kissing her baby. She said, oh, Parson, when will my baby get well? I said, it's well now, Auntie. 
I, she said, Can't, and the lady said, looky here, mother, and she raised up like that, and the poor old thing, she fell backwards like that and began screaming, and women began to faint and fall, and they got them up, and they had a commotion there for a little bit, and when they got the girl up and the mother, they take the hold of each other's hands, walked right down to before those thousands of people, mother and daughter, and the man that drove the ambulance stood there with such a depleted look on his face, and he talked to stretch her back. I said, you see what the Lord Jesus can do? And as I looked, I seen that old congressman like a shadow going walking like that. And he was sitting there with a blue suit on and a red tie. Only in the vision he had a brown suit, uh, kind of a chocolate-colored brown with a white stripe in it. And I said, Congressman, have you got a brown suit with a white stripe? He said, My son, I just bought one yesterday. I said, you have been a very reverent man, and it has honored God all these years. And through the honoring of God and believing God, God is rewarding you now to give your last days happy. You can walk, Congressman. The Lord Jesus Christ has healed you. Thus saith the Lord. He said, when will I be able to walk, my boy? I said, right now, Congressman. And up he jumped from that chair, threw aside, he had big crutches that went up over his shoulders when they sent him up, like Mr. Roosevelt, like that, his back. And a man, one looked like God would heal him when he was young, 17 years old, not wait till he's 66, or, or 86, rather, and his back all bones, all brittle. But that man, for the first time, 86 years old, since being in the England for 66 years, rose to his feet. Well, of course, Satan say he'd break his back if he gets up in there. But well, that's what Satan said, but God had said. See? God had said. Then the word was manifesting. And the man was walking normally and well. Passed through the United States, Great Britain, all through the known world, and even sent Joseph Stalling a letter of it. Personal friend of Churchill. Many of you seen the congressman Upshaw, I suppose, after he's seen him. How many? Raise your hands and oh, you see. And now what is that? The Word made manifest. If it's not too, taking too much time, I want to finish this testimony in about a few minutes. On my road home, coming home, I came in and my wife said to me, she said, Honey, your old friend is dying. I said, Who? Mr. Hall. When little Georgia Carter had been laying in the bed down there for nine years and eight months down, 35 miles down the southern, never heard of the city in my life, little place. The Lord gave a vision, went down there and healed her. She came up off the bed after laying there nine years and eight months and weighed 35 pounds. If you'd like to write to her, you can write to her. Miss Georgia Carter, Milltown, Indiana. She's my pianist at the Milltown Baptist Church now. And then Mr. Hall had been converted, which was a very, very foul man. And he was converted in that same meeting, and he's the pastor down there now. And so... She said, Mr. Hall has been pronounced with a cancer of the liver, and said he is laying at his sister's house, and his sister married the judge of the city's uh, brother, and is down at his house, they brought him up here, he's dying, he's been calling for you. And I said, well, let's go down and see him. And I went down to see Brother Hall, and he is just as yellow as the color, cancer in the liver, started off with a liver cirrhosis. And it went into cancer. I said, who's your doctor, Brother Hall? He said, Dr. Dillman. Dr. Dillman's a bosom friend of mine. I said, what about it, Brother Hall? He said, well, Brother Branham, I guess it's just the end of the road for me. 
I guess that's just about all that can be done, unless the Lord undertakes for me. And I said, well, I'll pray, Brother Hall, and we prayed. The next day I went back. He was worse. The second day he was still worse. Looked like he was dying. Miss Hall come out and said, Brother Bram, you know what he has? I said, Sister Hall, I pleaded with God just with all my heart. The Word is still the Word of God. But it just hadn't fell right, that thing. It hadn't been given to me. It hadn't been given to him. But it's still the Word of God. It just hadn't anchored right. So we went down again. Mrs. Hall said, Brother Branham, is there anything you can do for him? I said, now, I said, you don't have any other doctor. I said, doctors, it's just like anything else. You've got to have faith in them. I said, Dr. Sam Adair here in the city is our doctor, very fine man. Went to school with him. We fished together, hunted together, played together, worked together now. And he sends his patients, which he can't handle in medical rooms. He'll them, take off up Brother Brandon. And, and you ought to see what's been done for him. <laughs> we'll get to it a little later <laughs> sometime. Let you write to him and ask him about it. He's a specialist. I called up Dr. Adair and asked him if he'd go down and see Mr. He said, I'll go read the x-rays. The hospital, he went out, called me back, said, yes, Billy, he's got cancer. I said, is there anything where you can send him? He said, might send him over to Abel's Clinic in Louisville, let it be examined. Took him over there and got a hot, uh, ambulance out. He's nearly dead then. Took him over there and they wouldn't give them the diagnosis. Called back to Dr. Adair and he called me up. He said, Billy, yeah. said, your preacher friend's going to jump overboard in four days. I said, he's go die, doctor? I said, yeah. I said, my, nothing you can do? I said, Billy, you can't take his liver out and him live. He said, there's nothing can be done. The man's dying. He said, he's a preacher. He ought to be ready. I said, oh, he's ready. But he's a young man. I said, he's over 55 years old. Plenty of work that he could do for the Lord. I said, why God to take him? I don't know. He said, well, Bill, that's hard for anybody to understand. We just have to accept it. I said, that's right. So that's a hard thing to go tell my sister Hall. But I went out that night and I said, sister Hall, the doctor said... In four days, Mr. Hall will be gone. He's going to die in four days. And she started crying. I said, now, Sister Hall, you must remember, he's a Christian. He's ready to go. And if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. I said, it'd be far better off. Of course, you'll be lonesome at your age now. No children. I said, you'll be lonesome, of course. But you must remember, God knows what's best and working what's best. I said, Brother Bram, has God ever said one word to you about it? I said, Sister Hall, he hasn't said a thing to me. I said, I prayed all my heart, maybe he's just going to let him die. I said, do you think he's going to die? I said, yes, I believe he is. I believe he's going to die. Because all evidence, everything's against him, Sister Hall. And I said, all, and as far as I know, there's nothing can be done. It must be the will of the Lord. I said, I couldn't think. So she started crying, poor old thing, and he was just barely living. He could just make out now and then. He was subconscious most of the time. The next day, I had one day off, and... I like to squirrel hunt, but so I had a little old twenty two rifle there. I was going to go squirrel hunting out in the woods to get some rest. I usually go out and sit down on a tree and go to sleep and sleep the rest of the day because I just get away from the crowds for a little while because you know what it is around the house up there. The next morning, real early, we got through the crowd in the house about twelve or one o'clock, and I set the clock to alarm at three. I got up real early and got my little old squirrel rifle and my old hat and started off to go squirrel hunting. I looked out on the runway, there was nobody out there, so I when I started through the room, and when I went into the hall, there hung there in the room a little bitty old apple, about that big around, a green, knotty, worm-eaten. And I thought, what did my wife put that on the wall for? That's a harvest-looking thing. You've seen them little old uh, apples waxed off of a tree that hasn't been sprayed, you know, just real knotty and a hard-looking thing. 
And uh, so I said, what she put that on the wall for? And I started on through, and I looked again, and it wasn't on the wall. It was hanging right in the middle of the air. And I realized that there was something to it. I knelt down. I said, what will my heavenly Father have his servant know? And I looked, and here was another hanging by side. And on down to five of them hung there, by, right, in a cluster-like, five of those little naughty apples. And then down come a great big apple with red streaks in it and yellow, and it just made big chomps like that, like chomp, 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 eat up all five of them. And then the apple disappeared, and this light that was in the picture that you all seen here, it was right hanging above it going, I said, what would my Lord have his servant know? He said, stand up on your feet. And I stood up. He said, thus saith the Lord, go tell Mr. Hall that he'll not die but live. And that was it. No squirrel hunting that day. I run back and woke up my wife and told her about it. She said, oh, can I go with you? I said, yes. And we got ready to break a day. We went down. Mr. Hall was, they had him back rubbing his hands and things. And, and I went in. And I, I said, he isn't gone. He said, said, no, he isn't gone, Brother Brandon, but he's just going. He said, he's struggling. His eyes are set in the back of his head. I said, Sister Hall, she said, what are you looking so bright about? I said, I have thus saith the Lord. Oh, no one ever know what that means then. She said, is it good? I said, yes. I said, oh, what? I said, just come in now. Gather everybody around the bed. We got around the bed. Mr. Hall's eyes were setting back like that. He's real yellow. And he kept screaming, someone rubbed his hands. I said, Brother Hall, can you hear me? He said, who is it? And I said, this is Brother Bill. He said, oh, haven't I gone yet, Brother Bill? I said, and you're not going right now, Brother Hall. I have thus saith the Lord. I seen this morning about two hours ago in a vision and told him what it was. And I said, Brother Hall, you're going to live. Walked out of the room, went home, called up Dr. Adair. And I said, Dr. Adair? I said, you know the man was going to jump overboard in four days? He said, is he dead? And I said, no, he isn't going to die. He said, what do you mean? I said, he said, how's he going to live with that cancer in him? I said, I don't know, but he's going to live. I said, because the Lord has said so. That's the word of God, positive. See? There it is. It's in the right ground, man. Then he said, well, Billy, he said, I never wanted to doubt you. I said, I've seen many things done. I've never doubted you in my life, but the old doctor will have to see that. <laughs> I said, well, you won't die with old age because until you see it. I said, you, you'll find out. I went up to the area of Pennsylvania and through there and made a six-week tour, come back for one day. I was going to Africa after that. We had a high school gym there. It seated about 5,500 people, and some of you probably was there that night is all I know. Even maybe people was present. We had one night at the gym this so many in there, they had about the same amount on the outside, and the police out there trying to keep order. And for this one night, and when I got in, the people just piled and you couldn't see where they were, <laughs> just everywhere. And I happened to look, sitting down in front of me, there was Dr. Baldwin, a good friend of mine. I, his wife had been healed with asthma at my house. I said, glad to see you, Dr. Baldwin. He said, thank you, Billy. He stood up. I looked up there, and it's set in the bleachers, and there's set... Dr. Dillman from Cardin. I said, how do you do, doctor? I'm glad to see you in here tonight. Had looked stand in the door, and there stood Dr. Sam Adair. He couldn't get in. I said, how do you do, doctor? There. I said, I'm sorry we haven't got a seat for you, but I said, may the Lord bless you. Yep. And I had looked sitting back there, and there said Brother Hall. All right, back. He waved at me like that, you know. 
I said, Dr. Dillman, you remember a patient you had here not long ago named William Hall? Yes. I said, Dr. Dare, you know the one you said you go to jump overboard in four days and the old doctor would have to see that? And he said, yes. I said, you want to testify, Brother Hall? He said, praise the Lord. Do I want to testify? <laughs> and he raised up and gave a testimony there. They take him out and examine him that very same night. Couldn't find a trace of it. No worry. He weighs 185 pounds. Perfect health. Reverend William Hall, Middletown, Indiana, if you'd like to write him. It's six minutes before the prayer line now. Maybe one more little instant. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. God shall raise them up. You can't base faith on hope. You've got faith as positive. Every person that's got their normal sight will look at my shirt and say it's white. One of the senses declares and says it's white. Now, if you've got faith that says you're going to be healed just as real and positive as your sight says that's white, then you've got faith it's going to happen. But it has to be real, some declaration to prove it. We're so close to Missouri. That's the show-me state. They say seeing is believing. You've heard that, haven't you? You haven't ever heard that old saying? Let's just see how foolish that is. Come here, Brother Brewer. Thank you. There's a man standing before me with dark hair, wearing a striped tie and a gray suit. Between gray and brown. How many believe that's the truth? Anybody can see and believe it. Now, there's only one way that I know that man standing there. That's the sight. That's seen. Now the man's there, and I can't see There's no way at all for me to see him, yet I know he's there. I know he's there just as real as if I was looking at him. You want to argue with me he's not there? Not seeing isn't believing, is it? I've got another sense, and that's feeling. I can feel him there. He's just as real as it is I was looking at him. Seeing's not believing. Feeling is believing now. Now, it's impossible for me to feel him. It won't contact him at all. Yes, I believe he's there because I see him. Turn around and hit that piano with a thank you, Brother Burke. A uh, note or two. How many heard that? How many saw that music? I thought seeing was believing. <laughs> Seeing's not believing. Hearing's believing there. Is that right? Did you see it? No. Did you feel it? Did you taste it? Did you smell it? No. You heard it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you do not see, taste, feel, smell, or hear. All right. See? It's just a positive fact. You know it. Yeah. See? And it's got to be based somewhere, not upon this mythics. It's got to be based on thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Then you know where it's at. Then it's, it's right. It's made positive. Reverend Mr. Johnson, as far as I know, he may be here now. I was a Baptist preacher. He was a Methodist, and we used to have revivals with both from the same part of Kentucky. Moving out to Indiana, he was a pastor of the Main Street Methodist Church, one big fine church in New Albany. I had a little tabernacle in Jeffersonville. He said after the Lord began to bless the meetings, began to come on, Billy, you ought to come give me one night. I said, not to pray for the sick, Brother Johnson. I'm home to rest. He said, well, just come down and preach for me one night. Well, I did. He said, I promise you we won't ask you to pray for the sick people. I said, not as I don't want to. 
But the thing of it is, I, I don't even, we, I've been living in my house for five years, and we have never eaten them one time in my house without the shades pulled out the window in the kitchen. People, that's how it's just coming and going. Home's not home. But as long as you can help somebody, all right. So, when it gets too bad, then I take off and go up the mountain somewhere and rest up a week or two and come back. So then when going out that night of the church, it brought me into the back window. Two men raised out, picked me up, and let me out. He told me to go down to the bottom of the steps, but I asked you, Billy, if you wouldn't pray for anybody, wouldn't ask you to, but said, we got a Sunday school teacher here, a lovely little girl, woman, young married woman, said she's completely gone out nearly, said she's a neurotic, said, if you just lay your hands on her, said, I think it would satisfy her, said, she's been everywhere, been prayed for. I said, all right, Brother Johnson. Now I went out and I thought I was going to see a woman in a straitjacket, a lovely looking little woman standing there, looked to be about 30 years old, normal, sweet looking little woman. She said, how do you do, Brother Branham? I said, are you the patient? She said, yes. I said, I was expecting to see you in a straitjacket. I said, what's the matter, sis? And she said, I just don't know, Brother Branham. I said, how long has it been on you? She said, about eight years. And she said, I've just done everything. And said, I, I know I've lost my mind. I said, I don't think you have. I said, do you believe the Lord Jesus? She said, oh, yes, sir. But I have a fine young lady Sunday school class here in the 18th Street Mission. I have service up here on Sunday afternoon, so forth, and teach a big group of children. I prayed for her, went on out two or three days later. I met her on the street, wife and I. So when we met her, why, she went into the fair store, or the White House, I believe it was. I said, there's that lady. And I, I said, how are you feeling? She's with you. And she said, oh, Brother Branham, if anything, I'm worse. She said, I just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. She said, I, I believe I can't last over another week. And uh, so she was in terrible shape. And I stepped in on the side, and I prayed for her just as reverent as I could. And I said, go on now, believe. We went... Was gone for a long time before I ever come back, and she just kept the phone busy with my wife. She said, when Brother Bram's have another meeting, or he'll be under that anointing, that it's got to be something to cast that evil away from me. She said, something's got to do it, that I just can't have been prayed for for a man all over the country. And she said, and I just, the doctors came to she spent $10 every week, had been for years, going to that famous psychiatrist in Louisville. Nothing could help her. So... One morning, on this vision right here, I got wrote out, which came to me, the word of the Lord, which will take place in Africa and India. I'll give it to you so you can write it down and see if it don't come word by word the way he said it. That morning, he come in the room where I was at. And when my wife come out there, she said, Bill, let me call that little woman first, will you? Said, poor little thing. Said, she's in such a fix. I said, very well. You call her. So before she could get there, there's other people there, and his man from, from the Wall Street Baptist Church in Lowell with a cancer in his liver. He's, that's been three, two years ago, going on three, and he's a member of my church over there now. The little tabernacle, he comes all the time. So the Lord told him what he had done. He used to be a baseball player and told him something that he had done that he must go straighten up. And he did. He lived. So when the little woman came in, she sat down. I had to take her out in the den room. I said, I want to be by herself. And we sat down. I just got to talking to her. Just like a wood here at the platform. And she said, I said, what's the matter, sister? She said, Brother Branham, I don't know. She said, I just seem like everything's just gone away and feels like I'm walking on the earth. If I happen to shake it, it's going to, I know it's standing in space, that it'll, it'll sink. I said, my, you ain't that heavy. So 
she just on like that. And she said, well, I just don't know what's the matter. I said, I know I'm crazy. I, I know I'm actually, said, I'm crazy. And said, they're going to send me away to the insane institution. And when he got to talking to her, you could see it was something wrong, man. So I said, well, let you and I just talk like, you know, like on a scripture or something. And she said, all right. She's just wringing her hands and taking her glove and rolling it like that. And I said, now, I just lay your glove down, sister, and just, just relax. She said, oh, I can't go there. She said, I wish I could. She said, but I can't. I said, are you you're a Christian? Yes, everything. I said, Brother Johnson told me he was one of his most famous members. And he said, the most loyal members. And he, she said, well, I'm thankful for that. And um, she said, I try to be. And I kept watching her. And I happened to look coming right across and run. Here come a little black car. And I seen it move into the shadow. I said, was you ever in a car accident? She said, no, sir. No, I never was in a car accident. With a gallon, they can anoint you by the day. All the people can stand around and scream and stomp and yell and holler. I said, that devil will lay right there because he has a legal right to lay there. I said, now there's your trouble. She, I said, so what shall I do? I said, go tell your husband. Make it right. She said, oh, I, Brother Graham, i got two children. Said it would break our home up. I said, now that's all I know, sister. I said, now all the psychiatrists in the world couldn't pull that out of you. There's nobody knows that but you and that man and I. And the Lord knew it, so he's revealed it. And she said, well, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I said, well, now, of course, that, she, I started out. She said, no, now, wait a minute, Brother Brandon. She said, don't go, don't go. Just a minute. She's crying for a little sorry. I felt sorry for it. But there's only one you're saying you're feeling sorry for somebody, and then the thing, you've got to be honest with people. That's what's the trouble today. We use too much petty sympathy. That's right. You've got to tell the truth. And God will honor the truth. So she started out. I started out, rather, and she come to me. And, and I turned around to look at her, and there stood in the room, standing right by her side, was a tall, black-headed man with wavy hair combed over sideways. And I said, is your husband a tall, black-headed man with wavy hair? She said, yes, sir. And just then he turned his back to me. And when he did, he had Chevrolet rode on the back. I said, does he work for a Chevrolet company? He said, yes. I said, do you know him? I said, no, ma'am. But I said, he's got the same thing to confess to you. When he was landed in another country, the place where he went, and I said, it hasn't been three days ago since your husband was in a green Chevrolet car with a woman that worked in the office wearing a black-headed woman with a pink dress on and lived untrue to you. She said, not my husband. I said, yes. She said, he's a deacon in the church. I said, I don't care what he is. I said, no wonder Brother Johnson's having a bad time down there. I said, such as that. That's some things that's the matter with half the churches today. If you get straightened up, you get things. And I said, now, we got four phones here. I said, you call your husband and make that right, and then we'll talk to the Lord. But as long as that's there, there's no need of trying to do anything. And I started out, and she immediately got talking to her. She went and called her husband. The lady was with her, sitting in the car. They went on down and met a few minutes. He got with her in the car, met her on the road. She said she had a confession, so she told him all about her side of it. He said, I want you to forgive me. He said, I will. And said, now, wasn't a couple days ago, said, wasn't you with this? She knew the woman. And he said, well, uh, where you been? And she, he said, she said, is that the truth? He said, who told you that? She said, Brother Branham. He said, honey, it's the truth. And said, if you'll forgive me, I'll forgive you. And we'll be a, go back to church and ask God to forgive both of us. And we'll live like Christians ought to. And we'll raise our children in the right way. My wife said, you think they'll be back? I said, yes. 
people come in. After a while she comes, she said, come here, Bill. I was in the room with some more people. And here they come up the steps with their arms around one another, tears sticking down their cheeks. Oh, eternal God, great Jehovah, who thundered off of Mount Sinai and wrote the commandments, who thundered off of Calvary, said it's finished. The word of God. What was finished? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace upon him with his stripes, we were healed. It is finished. Oh, let us look to Calvary tonight, to where it was finished at, and let us accept it. For by grace are we saved through faith, knowing that you're calling an election. No man can come, you said, except you called him. No man can come to me except my father draws him. Seeing Abraham back there, no more than any other man, coming out of the land of Chaldea, the city of Ur, coming down in the valleys of Shire, from Babylon, perhaps an idolater. But God, by sovereign election, chose him. Abraham, I've saved you and your seed after you. Oh, God. Told him to look at the dust of the earth and the number, sands of the sea, and then the stars of heaven, innumerable. His seed would be coming from the dust to the stars. Your Holy Spirit tonight, we being dead in Christ, take on Abraham's seed and our heirs according to the promise. How thankful I am to be sitting with the election tonight. And they call me their brother. We call you our father. And we're thankful. Now manifest your love and presence to the people. And when you hear on earth, when you talk to the woman at the well, you know her sin. You talked to Nathaniel, a righteous man. You told him what he'd done before he came to the service. You're Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you have rose from the dead and living now forevermore. Come, Lord Jesus, and anoint this poor, unprofitable servant, and use it as a channel tonight to issue your words to whomsoever you will. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Then Jesus Christ said, The things that I do shall you do also. And a little while and the world will see me no more, yet you will see me, for I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. Is that right? Now, if that is the gospel and that is the truth, then Jesus Christ will manifest himself. If it isn't the truth, he wasn't the Christ, and it's all wrong. We can only make it right or wrong. And if Jesus, when he was here on earth, the very things that he did here on earth will have to be repeated, or he did not. A real famous Jew came to him by the name of Nathaniel. After Philip had found him and told him he found the Messiah, nonsense. He couldn't believe that. He said, well then, why couldn't he believe it? When he came and seen who he was, Jesus said to him, said, Behold, you're an Israelite, and whom there is no guile. In other words, an honest, upright, religious man. He said, Rabbi, or master, teacher, reverend, Rabbi, when did you know me? You're a stranger to me. He said, Before Philip called you when you were under the tree. Quickly, he said, Thou art the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. 
you recognize his name's immortal tonight. Today it probably said mental telepathy. A witch. The Jews in them days called Jesus because he could do that. They said he is Beelzebub. Beelzebub is the chief of the fortune tellers, the worst of all the devils. But he wasn't. He was the Lord Jesus. Same Jesus, the same God that was on the prophets. Now, let us only believe just a few moments, if you will. Everyone with one accord. Just a little late, I'm sorry. You're such a lovely audience, I keep talking. I shouldn't do that because it's... Now you realize, how many have seen the picture last night of the... It's been taken, the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the wilderness has taken now and hanged in Washington, D.C. The same pillar of fire. What is it? It's the same God. It was manifested in a man called Jesus Christ. It's manifested today in this church. The same God. Same pillar of fire. And here he is. We've got the Old Testament proof by the picture. And you'll see it. Watch this away. It's been seen by millions of people around the world. Frankly, it isn't ten foot from where I'm standing right now. And then the signs of the Messiah. I made the Lord drink. I just want to look down the line. As far as I know, there's not a person in here that I know except my own son standing down here with the ushers and Reverend Mr. Brewer sitting here. So far as I can see, God, who is my judge, knows that. I see no one else that I know. You're all strangers to me. If I should look at this little baby sitting here and say it's got a water head, well, that's no mysterious thing. You'd say, sure, I can see that. But the person who looks healthy, that's the person. Now, how many out there doesn't have prayer cards and wants to be healed? Let's see your hands. Everywhere. Raise up your hands. Everywhere. Going. And so I, now, I'm going to ask you. Now, there's 90% of you hasn't got prayer cards because there's only just a certain amount of prayer cards given out. Because we can't get to no more. But look, friend, if you look this way and believe with all your heart, just have faith, see if God doesn't turn right out in the audience like he did on Jesus Christ and say the same thing. Jesus perceived their thoughts out there, told them what was wrong, what to do. It's the same thing tonight. It's the Lord Jesus. Now, his presence being here now, now in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I take every spirit in this building under my jurisdiction. Now, who's leaving? Now, we want you to be reverent. And now, I've got to talk to this man just a moment, just to see what the Lord would say. Now, Jesus... When he come to, he had to go up by Samaria before he went to Jericho. That's way out of the way. But the Father sent him up there. The Spirit that was in him sent him up there. And he sent the disciples away to buy bread, meat. And a Samaritan woman come out to get some water. And he said, bring me a drink. 
She said, it's not customary for you Jews to ask Samaritans such because they don't have no dealings. He said, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd give you water you didn't come here to draw. Well, she was surprised. He said, you have nothing to draw the water with. So he talked to her a few minutes, and he said, right, right straight to her trouble. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any husband. He said, that's right, you got five. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And she ran into the city and said, come see a man who told me all I ever did. He never told her all he did. She did, but he told her where her trouble was. And if he could do that, God could show him all things. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, and we thank Thee, Lord, as teaching us that as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. We thank Thee, Father, for the far country of heaven which has given us the good news, Lord, in the form of Your Word and the Holy Spirit and You fulfilling Your Word. You told us You shall send us a prophet to restore our hearts to the faith of the fathers, and we got the great news from a far country through that prophet. To know that there is a land that we can look forward to and and taught us in the future home of the earthly bride and the heavenly bridegroom, Father, to know of the great joys that are awaiting us. To know, Father, that we thank Thee for the great news from a far country refreshing our souls. So we, and even to know that that kingdom of heaven is within us, for in the form of the Holy Spirit, the body in which we are baptized into through that Spirit. We thank Thee, Father, and we pray may You Answer the needs of every listener today and provide for them whatever they have need of and comfort them and heal them and fill them with the Holy Spirit. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray, asking you to save every soul of those listening today and help them, Father, to know you in the power of your resurrection. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Many years ago, a woman named Mary received a visit from an angel of the Lord. She said, Be it unto me according to thy word. She said, The right thing. And the promise was given to her. Just say the right word, and what you ask will be given. Just approach him with the right attitude. Had he right, said that's the truth, Her sons receive eternal life. 
Yeah. 